I got my friend Andy Johnson here with me today. Hello. Andy's been, uh, you know, he's been at our church uh, for about, I don't know, a year and a half or so. What's yeah. like your, how would you introduce yourself, Andy? Do you meet someone uh, in, in an elevator? Yeah, uh, we moved from Denver to Visalia. I was actually born in Visalia. Lived here until I was about five years old. Uh, then moved to Denver with my family. So I'm, I consider myself a Coloradan. Uh, but yeah, we've been living here with my, my wife and our daughter, June. Um, and then we had our youngest daughter, Josie, and she's a year now. So I have two and a half and a one-year-old. And uh, yeah, just living, working, seeing what God has here in Visalia. Yeah. Got plugged in kind of here when we first got here. And so, yeah, this is where the Lord, Lord has us right now. Yeah. Let's get started by, do you mind reading since you brought your Bible? Yeah, yeah. Got NIV. So you want me to go through? So we're going to go uh, Matthew. This is Matthew 25 verse, uh, is it 15 through 30 or 14 through 30? I think 14, 14, through, 30. 14 through 30. Yeah, go ahead and read uh, yeah. it for, Again, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with the two bags of gold gained two more. And the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, and in the or he put it in the ground and hid his master's money. In verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled his accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share with your master's happiness. Share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. <clears throat> His master replied and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, I mean, you know, just in general, I mean, you grew up in and around church. You've probably, you're familiar with this passage, right? This, yes. That wasn't the first time you, <laughs> you read no. the passage. Like, what, what do you, like, what's your kind of like, give me your background with that passage. Like, how have you related to it before, uh, um, you know, in your familiarity uh, with it? Like, what would you say were like, you know, your, your takeaways? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, growing up in the church and, and really, you know, serving in the church as well, being involved in church. I went to Bible college in 2002, graduated there and, and kind of went into full-time ministry. And, 
from what I took away from it always was kind of like, well, I don't want to be the guy that goes and buries whatever you've yeah. been given. Cause obviously there's an illustration here that's taking place. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, sometimes you do think of it as talents, like talents of what I can do for the Lord and talents yeah. of being gold, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I think that that was kind of my thing. I always was like, well, I hope, you know, I want to, you know, my initial response was how, how, what do I use what God's given me to go yeah. do something? Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't think I want to end up like the, the guy who gets what he has taken yeah, away from totally, him. It's harsh, man. <laughs> it's so harsh. <laughs> so I think initially that's my first like yeah. response is I don't want to be yeah, that guy. Mm -hmm. But sometimes even in my life, you know, it's been like, how do I really apply that? And Lord, yeah. like, what does that mean for me? You know? Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, to that point, and now we're kind of like, I guess I'm jumping like right to the back where, I mean, there's like some pretty harsh judgment in the story, you know, I'm always, I don't know why. I mean, I, I, we've now, we're 25 chapters into the book of Matthew and, and Jesus has been saying harsh things for like all 25 chapters, you know, but I find myself still surprised to read some of this stuff, you know? And, um, I mean, I think what I mean is that like, I feel like in the, in the world that we live in to a certain extent, it's like, it's like, um, uh, using your talents or using whatever you've been given, using your resources to serve the Lord is like something that super Christians do, you know? Um, but like the status quo is just to kind of do your thing and whatever, whatever. But when I read this story, it's like, no, like the expectation is that you're going to use everything you've been entrusted with for the kingdom's purpose. And to not do so is not just status quo, it's like damnable, you know? I mean, there's like, like the, the ramifications obviously are really um, severe. And that's something for me, like I, I've been most familiar with this passage, kind of like hanging out there, not, not really um, aware of its placement in Jesus's sermon really on the end of times. And like, as we were discussing off camera, this passage, um, it, it fits in right before he's going to start talk about, talking about separating, you know, those that are in and those that are out of his kingdom at the end of time. It's harsh. And so, the, yeah, man, I mean, it's like this, this fits in kind of like an end of life, end of times type deal. And so, you know, one of the things that you and I have in common is that, you know, we both lost dads to cancer and, uh, um, I wanted to share like when my dad, uh, my, my dad, um, was like w when he was at the end of life, uh, we brought him home on hospice, but we were actually living in RV trailers at the time because we were building the homes, um, on the property that we live on. Hmm. So he, uh, we were living in RV trailers. And so we, we weren't going to bring him home to hospice on, in an RV trailer. Yeah, yeah. So some friends were like, let us use their little studio. And, and so he and my mom lived there for his last days. Um, and it just so happened that they had a sign right above the, the bed that he laid in uh, that said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it quoted, mm. Matthew, you know, I ended up asking the owners of the property, like, could I have that sign? You know, that's, that's and so awesome. they gave it to me. So I still yeah. have it in the house. That's cool. But I think like, <clears throat> you know, that's like a good way to think about like this passage. It's a good way to think about what we do with what God's entrusted us. Hmm. And I was just wondering, you know, like at, when I was at your dad's funeral and even just in the last week, spending time with you guys as hmm. your dad was, was dying. Um, 
Yeah, I was just curious, like how you would relate this passage to maybe the way your dad lived and and anything you picked up on or observed. You know, if you don't mind, <laughs> just yeah, just bearing all to us right here, Andy. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, your testimony I think is powerful. Yeah, I was reminded like uh, one of my one of my friends back in Colorado. His name's Matt. He's a pastor at a church. Uh, he says, you know, you're a citizen of heaven, but are you a servant of heaven? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and we see in the very next part of that scripture where yeah. Jesus he said to the people that were ultimately inheriting and, and going to be with the Lord, he said, you served me when I didn't have any food. You gave me a drink uh, yeah, of water right. when I, you know, that's really right. the idea is they were, they were, they were servants. And yeah. um, my dad, yeah. I just, I love like his, his character and his testimony in this, like, and around this, because a lot of times I think as Christians, you know, especially in the U S it's like, you know, we look at guys like Phil Wickham or right. these like amazing teachers. The or, yeah. yeah. These people that have, you know, and Huge we platforms. and we read this portion of scripture and we're like, oh dude, I'm the one with the the one talent, dude. I'm yeah. so here. I don't know what to do, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um that's right. I think the the real that's heart right. behind that and, and what I learned from my dad is like the focus on where your decision has to lie in, in your life as a believer is are you going to be a servant? Yeah. And and give your life over, you know, like Romans 12. You know, we present yeah. our life as a living sacrifice yeah. Yeah. to the Lord. And my dad, you know, I mean, we grew up, my dad was in charge of uh, setting up, at the time our church met in um, in a school, middle school, so nothing yeah. was set up. But he took that over and just meticulously he created a plan and yeah. he, he, you know, had a, kind of that gift of administration. But, you know, from the world's eyes, it was all in the background, like there was no glory. Right. and. And that's one of the biggest things I learned really yeah. as it applies to your talents and things like your servanthood lies between you and Jesus yeah, because right. of what he yeah. has he's given to you and what he's yeah. done for you. Yeah. And I think that that recalibration has to happen sometimes with kind of how we live in the United States because everything, you know, we think of great and glorious, you know, yeah. oh, absolutely. The I'm the dude with the 10 talents. Yeah, you know? totally. I came back with, I know. but it's like, that's actually not what mattered. Right. What That's mattered right. is, is that he hit it and yeah. he didn't even want to get in the game at all. He yeah. wasn't like, Lord, I, I, or my master, I'm just bringing yeah. you, here's what I did. I thought maybe I put it in the bank, you know, and right. get it. And even that, it says that he would have been, okay, well. That would have been better. You yeah. did something, yeah. you know? And exactly. so it's not this, and that's what I loved about yeah. Like the example my dad set for us is like, yeah, do something. Yeah. I don't care if it's setting up yeah. chairs or. Yeah. Because in the story, it's like. The expectation for investment is the same, even with the servant who got the least. Right. And and we tend to, you know, the, the, uh, you know, kind of like what you were just, the culture you were describing would be that like the people who get the 500, they're the ones that can truly do something that matters. They're the exactly. ones that God's really caring yeah. about. And here we see in this story that it was actually the guy with 100. I mean, that let's put, or the guy with one, sorry, bag of gold or one talent, however you want to translate that. You know, he, he um, I mean, I guess in some ways that's like, you know, the guy setting up at a church, right? It's like, ah, who cares about the setup? What's really important is the pastor preaching or the guy worship, leading worship, you know? Um, but like, that was one thing that I was so moved about, like, as I was just around you guys and hearing stories about your dad was how, like the impact he had doing very simple things, you know, mm. he took things that were like one bag of gold type talents and he just gave himself to him and, and invested them, you know? It's so powerful. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes like more often what we do is we disqualify ourselves because 
the things that we're good at aren't important enough. And I see that happen a ton in the church. People think I can't preach, therefore I'm my life doesn't yeah. have kingdom significance. Hmm. And uh, I think that's a version of taking your one bag of gold and, and digging a hole and burying it, you know? Yeah. I think like the testimony that you're describing is like, your dad wasn't like, well, I'm not the preacher. So then my con contribution to this church doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. He was like, no, this is the job I have. These are the talents that I do have. Yeah. And I'm going to do the best I can with them. We always want to be the person maybe with the 10 talents or, right. or 10 bags of gold. Right. You know, uh, and we always think of it, you know, that's our, that's, that's what we look towards and, mm -hmm. and think that level of saying, you know, I'm a, I'm going to serve no matter, and no yeah. matter what capacity, I'm going to yeah. take what God's given me and be faithful, even though maybe the world looks at it and says, yeah. or the church even looks at it and goes, oh, you're just, yeah, no, that's yeah. not how the Lord sees it. That's right. One thing that I think is interesting in this story is the tension that I see between uh, grace, what God gives us freely, right? And then works, like mm. what he expects us to do with what he's given us freely, you know? And so like in this story, the, the master represents God. Um, freely gives these guys gifts. Now he does apportion these gifts according to their ability, but otherwise these are just like, Hey, you know, I've, I've, I've handed this to you. It, it doesn't say that they earned it so much. It just, he's given these gifts to them. Um, but then, uh, like he doesn't just expect that they won't do anything with those. Like he expects the opposite. He expects them to do some work, you know? Um, and I don't know if like circles of faith that you grew up in, you know, how, how you've handled the idea of grace versus works, you mm -hmm. know, depending on what camp or tribe mm. you've been in, in Christianity, <laughs> there's different ways to like, to think about those things. But this mm -hmm. passage to me makes me think a little bit like, okay, so God gives freely. So that's great. But, you know, grace doesn't mean that I just sit on my butt, that I dig a hole, you know? So I don't know what you think about that, um, that, that tension between grace and works. I think when it comes to the to the gifts and and really Christ's call on our lives too, the tension between uh, grace and works, I think really is is just held in. Am I willing to say, God, what do you have for me here? Mm -hmm. What what do I need to learn from this? What do I mm -hmm. need to apply to my life? You know, because it's so easy. You can just go, oh, whatever, dude. It's all grace. You know, I'm not gonna right. But uh, my question totally. is more, Lord, how do you want to how do you want to get my attention here? You know, mm -hmm. am I doing this in my life? Like, am yeah. I burying things? Not because yeah. it's a works motivated issue. Right. But is is like in Revelation, he told the church at Ephesus, return to your first love. Yeah. Like, ha have I moved away right. from right. my love action? Yeah. You know, because yeah. we think of work as action. That's right. But at the same time, my wife doesn't want a punch list if she if she looks yeah. at my journal and says oh look at this punch list and literally it's just all work right like there's no love yeah there's no emotion that's right then that's that's kind of missing yeah the mark too. yeah so well it's interesting I so i mean I, I love that that point that you're making essentially where you know comparing comparing it to marriage is i think totally theologically sound right <laughs> but but i mean it is like that right i mean um and and what do you see in the story like the servants, um, they're, they are acting out of their view of the, the master and the, the, um, the servant who gets scolded at the end, um, 
he says, well, you're a harsh man and you, you know, you do this and you do that. This is how you are. And so that's why I did what I did. Whereas with, um, in a loving relationship and when we're acting in, in the best way in our marriages, um, we're like, well, why do you do the dishes for Beth? Or why do you clean up after yourself? Um, you, you do it because you're compelled by love. Like what you think about her is what drives your action, you know? And I think that that's, isn't that, I mean, that's kind of like, I would say part of the puzzle between grace and works, you know, works, works are like motivated, like, um, not to earn, but they're, they're motivated by a feeling, a sense that's present, you know, you're motivated by your love to do good works. And it seems like the bad servant in this story was motivated by fear and um and yeah. a wrong view of god you know it seems like this third servant has been deceived mm. his idea of the master is screwed up you know and it, so he's acting out of fear you know and it's so true too like you even think about your marriage and sorry I, you know i know not everybody's married but this also applies i, I think yeah. in the single life as well like I'll have issues when I start thinking in my mind, oh, Beth's thinking this. Mm -hmm. you know, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's totally. Like, it's just like this when deception. Right, we call that right in the story. That's not yeah, true. You right. Know? And and then you realize, no, that's not even, yeah. wasn't even her heart. Totally. And then how, how much did it rip me off? You yeah. Know? Man. All the stuff I went through. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to get to is this idea of risk, you know? And so in this story, so let me lay this out to you like this. I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but in this story, um, you know, it, it all works out great because they doubled the investment. But as you know, like with, you know, stock market investment or any investment that you make, there's a there's potential to actually lose, you know. And I was wondering, like, if I'm the 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 bad servant, part of me might be thinking and I think he was afraid. He was afraid. What will happen if I don't at least give this guy back what he gave me? And so his fear is like causing him to avoid risk. You know, whereas the other guys, so the story works out great because the guy with five bags of gold and the guy with two bags of gold, they both double their investment. So happy ending. We can all understand why the master would be happy. But I think some of us are worried that if we if we invest instead of just digging a hole, like what's the risk? So I think there's a bit of a um, a connection in this story to the idea of Christians who choose to um, separatize their lives, Christians who choose to like like for fear of being influenced by the world, pull themselves out of the world altogether. Mm. I think that we sometimes do this. It's like a version of, of um, you know, digging a hole and burying what we have in the ground. And what's the fear that's behind that? The fear is that if I take the risk of being in the world, yeah, I might be on mission. I might win souls for Jesus, but I might also lose my faith. I might do dumb stuff, you know? Mm. But I think sometimes we are afraid to risk like in this church that we're planting you know um i mean there's risk in it's not just all like you know rainbows and unicorns like there's there's risks in in coming to do what we're doing i mean some of us have left like big healthy churches that were like banging it you know just like killing like great this great that and and here we are you know and and some of us have left and um, or come and like, we've experienced like relational hardships as a result, you know, I don't know, like some people could even think like, mm. what's going to happen to my kids if I leave a well-established church, do they have a good enough youth ministry there? Like, yeah, so you know fun. what I'm saying? Yeah. Really? If you're a servant, that's the beauty of it. 
is yeah. that if you're serving the Lord, then then God brings yeah. the ROI. Yeah. And it's and, it, yeah. and then we get to enjoy it. Yeah. As a body. Yeah. Um. Or or enjoy it with the Lord. You mm -hmm. know, in our walk with Him. Yeah. And I think that's the thing when you think of risk is like, yeah, in and of yourself. Yeah. But but when you commit those things to the Lord and you're willing to risk, you know, to please God, then the that's ROI right. isn't up to you. Right. That's right. And that's right. And then you also look at our own value. It's like, yeah, there's talk about a risk and a church plan, man. You know, you think about, oh, what if it doesn't work? What if people mm -hmm. hate me? I mean, yeah. there's so much involved in our own self centeredness totally. you know and, and then and then you come yeah. to the conclusion it's like i'm actually just trying to serve the lord here where did right. i get where did where did i get that's right off track from that yeah like <laughs> what if it's not about me there's a concept right there what if this whole thing is not about me that's if, hard sometimes yeah it's really hard no that's good yeah that's and, I, and i think you know at the end of the day like that's it, it seems as if the the good servants in this story they're motivated by a desire to um, use what's been entrusted to them, meaning they kind of have this knowledge like this isn't mine. You know, what I've been given isn't mine anyways. Yeah. You know, it, it belongs to the Lord. Uh, it belongs to my master. And I want to do the best that I can with it. Not for me, but for him. Yeah, 100%. You know? I love so, that too. 